welcome back to the podcast. We are in episode three. We're going for the trifecta. Uh, you guys have been so amazing and supportive of the first two episodes, and I'm having a lot of fun with this. So we're just going to keep on going. And I think I fixed the sound issue. We ordered a fun new part. Um, well, my husband did. He's been taking care of all the sound stuff because he is a gem. And hopefully it sounds really good in my ears. So hopefully it sounds really good to you. But this is going to be uploaded on a Sunday that, by the way, if we if we haven't talked about that, Sunday is the day. The new um, episodes will be up every Sunday, but my Drew Barrymore episode will have aired by then. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I got to be on the Drew Barrymore show. So I want to talk about that and kind of give you my take on what happened. But I also kind of want to talk about something else today, which is motherhood and how it was nothing like I expected. And I think it's really important to talk about um, parenting. I am going to use terms like mother and motherhood because that is what I am and what I identify as. This can apply to so many people, though. Um, caretakers, grandparents, aunts. If you're any, if you take care of a child in any sense of the word, you could probably relate to some of what I'm saying, if not all. And so I want to talk about how it has been so much different than I thought it was going to be and how I was really painted a picture with rose-colored glasses of what motherhood was going to be and how it ended up not being that and really took me by surprise so many things. And I feel like that's important because it is not talked about. And there's kind of this, I don't want to say a trend at all, but it's almost like people are like, no, 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 don't, you know, don't let them paint a bad light about motherhood. Um, as if you sharing any negative experience when it comes to motherhood, you are somehow like discouraging people from having kids. And I don't think that's a thing at all, because the fact of the matter is if something I say you hear and you go to yourself, you know, I really don't know if I want kids. That's not a bad thing. That's not like me talking you out of having kids. That is like you really taking pause and thinking about everything and what you want out of life. Because if you really want kids, no one is going to talk you out of it, right? Like nothing can be said that you're going to go, oh no, I don't want kids now. If you really wanted kids in the first place. But what it does is it gives you kind of a realistic sense. So when something happens in your parenting journey, you're not completely blindsided like so many people are, I feel like. Like I, knowing what I know now, would I go back and have children again? Absolutely, I would. 100%. I've always wanted to be a mom. I love being a mom. I love my kids. But that, have there been aspects of motherhood that have been like kicked me in the face, like completely blindsided me? Yeah, 100%. So I want to talk about those things. I want to be real. I want to uh, keep it normal and and talk about these things with no filter because I think it's important. There's also a lot of parents out there that go through these struggles in parenting and don't want to say anything because then you're maybe painted as like ungrateful or a bad mom because, you know, stop complaining. You're lucky you have kids. There's so many people who can't have kids um, and and stuff like that. So I want to be the one to just say, yeah, this has been extremely hard and there were things that I was not prepared for whatsoever and that no one talked about because of course you can't fully be prepared right until you're going through it like that that is true there's no way you could fully be prepared for what is going to come your way until you're actually actively experiencing it but it'd be nice to know oh this kind of exists so i want to talk about a few things and this might be like a 
I might do a whole nother episode on this one day because I feel like there's so many things and keep in mind, my kids are four and two. So I haven't even gotten to like elementary school, middle school, early childhood, teenage, like I haven't even hit those stages yet. So this is strictly just like early newborn to, I'm going to say five because my, my eldest is going to be turning five soon. So that's the zone I'm in. And I was really, I, like I said, always wanted kids. I mean, from the time I was like 15 years old, if you asked me what I wanted to be when I would grow up, it would be a stay-at-home mom. Like I wanted kids. I wanted to stay at home with them. I loved babies. I loved babysitting. And I was always the one playing with all, you know, the cousins at the holiday parties. And like, I just, I was really good at it. Right. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, I would, I would be a great mom. And, uh, they're just, like I said, there were so many things. So I remember, gosh, I want to say it was maybe like one of the first nights or two home. Um, my milk had just come in. It was like three in the morning. My milk had just come in. So my boobs were like huge and like leaking milk and hurting. My daughter was like trying to adjust to the milk coming in. She is just screaming inconsolable. Later, I did find out that she was sensitive to the lactose in my milk, but it was just new. It was like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden my stomach is adjusting to this milk. I'm adjusting to this milk. She was not consoled. Like she could not be consoled. And she is screaming at the top of her lungs. I am, you know, you're, you've just given birth. There's stitches in my vagina. I'm bloated. My stomach is huge and squishy and feels weird. And I've just come home thinking it's going to be this dream. And I'm like sobbing in the bathroom at 3am. Like, oh my God, I can't do this. I'm, this is not good. (laughs) Like, what have I signed myself up for? And then it did get better and it leveled out. But I just remember thinking that moment of like, oh man, I thought I was going to be really good at this and I am not really good at this. And I wish somebody had said like, yeah, it's, it's that first night or so from the hospital is terrible. Like there's so much adjustment. Your baby's waking up every hour, every two hours, you're either pumping or you're feeding. Like there's so much happening and it's a lot and your hormones are all over the place. You're like crying for no reason. Then the other time you're crying because you're so in love and you're so happy. And then your body is so, it's just so much. And no one talks about that. The only thing I heard about when people were like warning me about things was sleep. They were like, oh, sleep when the baby sleeps, get that sleep in while you can. You're never going to sleep again. And from my personal experience, that was not true because my daughter was great at sleeping. I think from like it was like one of the, maybe it was first week she was sleeping like 11 to seven. Like that's not normal. Please don't expect that. But she was. And so I was well rested. So that wasn't my issue. And I was like, no, 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 sleep's not the hard part. It's all this other stuff. It's the changing in, in my relationships. It's, um, not having a village, even though I thought I had a village. Um, if you don't have a village, parenthood is way harder. And I have a village. I had parents. I have parents that actively help with kids, but neither of them are retired. So um, I have other family members that will help with kids. I have a husband who is supportive and wonderful. Like I had these things and motherhood still kicks my ass a lot. So, and that's with, you know, a village and the village. I used to think when I would hear that term, it takes a village to raise a child was referring to people helping you take care of your child. And I've come to realize it's not that. It's help, people helping take the load off of you. It's people helping you 
um, so that you're able to, you know, be your best self, essentially. You know, it's that friend that comes over and holds your baby while you go take a shower or comes over and helps you with the dishes. One of the best gifts I ever received besides food. If you have someone that has just had a baby, make them food, bring them food. I'm telling you that is one of the hardest things right after you have a baby is you're like, wait, I have to cook myself food or cook my family food, bring food and do, that's another tip too. If, if you have someone in your life that's just had a baby, offer to help them with like household stuff. Um, so many people just want to like hold the baby and like, I'll hold the baby so you can get stuff done. No, you go do the stuff. Um, the, one of the best things was I just had my second and I had, I think my daughter was like, she's a little over two. So I just had my second and my husband had to go back to work early. I feel, I feel like it was only, I don't even know if it was a full week. There was a whole thing with induction and he, it was a whole thing, but my mom was there and my sister was there and my mom held the baby and they took care of the toddler and I slept. I took like a nap for like three hours and in, during that time, my sister did the dishes, started laundry and cleaned up. And I just cried again because hormonal, but it was just like, whoa, that was so much on my mind that that just helped give me a jump start. So keep that in mind if you have family members that, um, or friends or whatever that have just had a baby, because it's so helpful. Um, but yeah, the, the whole idea of a village, that was a big thing. Your, your relationship can change. It's a lot. Um, and not just with like your partner. Cause of course that's a big shift. You're now introducing this tiny little being that it needs you for everything. And if you don't have a babysitter, you know, it's like a lot, but then it's also, you might need to create new boundaries with people in your life for the sake of your child that you didn't have to before. It's a lot of shift. Um, I wasn't prepared for that. I honestly was just like, no, yeah, it'll be no big deal. That was probably naive to think that. Another thing I was not prepared for in motherhood was the emotional spectrum, as I like to say, how now I'm going to, I should say also, I feel, feel things very deeply. I'm an empath or whatever you want to call that, but I feel things so intensely, no matter what the emotion, like if I am stupid, like I just feel intense emotions. Um, and so something I was not prepared for was the depth of the emotion that you feel. And I'm going to use the example of when my four-year-old went to preschool because this was such, I like couldn't comprehend what was happening when this happened. Because of course I always heard parents are sad when their kids start school, of course. And they cry. A lot of them are sad, you know, watching them walk in. And I, I, I understood it to the extent that I could, but I was like, oh, they're sad because they're growing up. It was a different ball game. I I felt literal heartbreak when my daughter went to preschool. Actual physical pain in my chest felt my heart breaking um, because it was this feeling of she is starting. This is the start. At four years old, this is the start of her life beyond me where there will be elements that I have no idea what's happening. There will be feelings she's experiencing that I can't immediately fix or be present for both good and bad. You know, I can't, I can't be there if she falls and scrapes her knee or is, has her feelings hurt by another kid. And, and it is the start and it's only a few hours, a few days a week, but it's the start of that life without me. And that's its own complex thing. I've, I've learned that in, in my opinion, motherhood, parenthood, whatever, again, I'm, I'm using motherhood. Motherhood is the 
purest, strongest form of vulnerability someone can experience. I've never experienced anything quite like it. Being vulnerable is terrifying. It's, it's scary. People don't like to do it. And, and motherhood is literally a piece of your heart walking around outside of your body. And not only do you have to watch it be outside of your body, but you have to encourage it to leave you. It's so intense. You can protect it best you can. You give it skills. You build up walls around it. You try your best. But at the end of the day, your job is to, is to get it away from you. And you know what I mean by that, right? Like you, your job as uh, you're bringing up this next generation is to raise a person that can live by themselves and take care of themselves and be a productive member of society and all of these things. And so that's, that's the job. And, um, I have a, a friend, um, Gwenna, who is mama cusses on, on all the socials that you can think of. And she said it best. Um, and she just said, yeah, you're, you know, if you do the job right, you're parenting yourself out of a job. And it's, <laughs> that is so hard. It's so hard. Um, and I'm not, you know, you don't want to hold back your kids from anything or project your own feelings of what they should be or what, you know, your idea of their life for them should be. But that, that intense heartbreak of kind of that first step of encouraging that. So I'm feeling that. And then in, at the same time, and I mean, simultaneously watching my four-year-old walk without even looking back into that preschool, past a kid clinging to his mom, crying. And and she walked past him. It was this little boy and he was having a hard time, which is totally normal, by the way. And she stopped and she glanced back at me. And I'll cry if I'm thinking about it. She glanced back at me and I just gave her a nod and she walked right in. And she was so excited. So I'm feeling that like heartbreak. And then at the same exact time, feeling the most immense like pride. And I'm like, how is that possible? How can I be feeling these two like almost opposite ends of the spectrum feelings at the same time. And I feel like that's, that's it in a nutshell. And it's that, it's a constant of that forever. Um, so, and I, and I just saw there was, um, remember I talked about in the previous episode when I say, oh, I saw this story. It's really a TikTok, but I saw this TikTok and it made me cry. I cried on an airplane because <laughs> it was this mom and she was talking about She's like, oh, you know, people say um, they, you know, maybe wouldn't want to go back because the days are so hard with the diapers and the tantrums and whatever. And um, she said, you know, my daughter's 35 and I wish I could go back. You know, I'd put up with some dirty diapers just to, to memorize her face and look at her little face and have her snuggle up to me again. And I'm kind of in that stage now where my kids are doing that. And I was just like, oh, it makes you want to just like go hug your babies. Um but I think, you know, all we can do is the best we can with that. All we can do is try to um, appreciate those moments that we're in. I really, I don't like that phrase, you better, you know, you'll miss these days when they're gone because it puts this immense pressure that we're supposed to enjoy every moment of motherhood. And that kind of ties into the whole, like, I was, it was painted with rose colored lenses. You know, this idea that motherhood better be, you know, happy all the time and you better be appreciating it all the time. I think that can get into kind of a toxic place. I do, I do think that, um, I think 
as with any other job or any other thing, I think you should be allowed to say when it's hard and it doesn't, that should not mean that you're ungrateful for the situation you're in. I love my kids. I love my kids to death and being their mom is the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's, it's just because of what it is. It's just a difficult, challenging, testing thing. Um, Another thing that I was not prepared for is how lost I got in motherhood. And I know that's even some people disagree with that or whatever, but when you, uh, when your worth, and I've started to change it, but when your worth is tied into like, I got to be a good mom, you start to, and when someone needs you for everything, when that, when that baby pops out, they need you for everything. It is so easy to neglect yourself, to feel guilty almost for taking care of yourself. Um, and, and when it's, sometimes it is, sometimes it's your baby, you know, my daughter, she slept for every nap. I held her and nursed her every nap until she stopped nursing, which was when she was almost two. Okay. Um, you know, that is time I could have read a book or, um, gone and taken a shower and done my makeup, but it, I didn't, it was, that's what she needed to sleep. And so that was a sacrifice. So it's really easy though, to keep doing that and doing that. And then all of a sudden you look in the mirror and you're like, who am I? Like, what do I even like anymore? What do I, you know, when's the last time I did my hair or makeup? And so I've learned a couple things that I hope can encourage. And a couple things are, it is okay to have to find yourself again. And that's not a bad thing. Because when you think of it like, I'm not the same person I was when I'm 17, right? But I don't, I don't mourn that the same way I do as like who I was before I was a mother. Like we're meant to progress and change and go through stages. Like 17, I, oof, I loved 17. <laughs> 17 was so, I know that's not always the case. I loved 17, right? I was, I had the time of my life being 17. It's, it's a peak in my life. And um, I am very, I'm so different than I was, than I was at 17. And I'm not like mourning, like, Oh, where did that girl go? It's like, she's there. She was 17. And that stage before I was a mom, she's there. She's, she's in that different stage. And so it's kind of about finding this new groove that you're in. And this year I've been doing that. But I also have to say for the people listening that are pregnant or have newborns or have really, really young kids, my kids are four and two, and I'm just I'm just starting to like find myself or take care of myself again. It is really difficult to do that when you have tiny children. It ju it just is unless you have an immense support system and I'm talking multiple people that can help you with that. It is really hard to have all of your energy being put towards that those little babies and taking care of them. Those highly needy little adorable creatures that's normal. It's okay. And there will come a time when you have more time to get ready and do those things. So both my kids sleep through the night now for the most part. <laughs> so I'm recording this podcast right now. I have been doing, um, well, I'm going to talk about this, but I'll talk about it now. This year, I kind of was like, I need to focus on taking care of myself as much as I take care of everyone else. And I'm able to do that because my kids are a little bit older. So they're sleeping. I can do fun projects like this. I decided to do once uh, once a week hobby nights. And once a week I come down to my little Leia, 
the basement and I do something. I build Legos. That's kind of been my focus lately. Or I am maybe I'm going to paint or maybe like play some music, but that it's going to be something, trying new things, figuring out what I like. I'm also going to add this little tidbit. You don't have to be good at a hobby to enjoy it. Okay. It's not going to be your full-time job. You could suck at painting. You could suck at singing. If you like doing it, do it. It, it, you do not have to be good at something to enjoy doing it. Okay. So anyway, those are ways that I've started kind of, um, trying to take care of myself more, but that's only happening to me because my kids are kind of moving into new stages, right? This couldn't, I couldn't have done this when they were two and a newborn. There is no freaking way. Um, no way at all. I've also tried to make it a point to get myself ready every day. And again, that is only happening because they are two and four. And I still have to brace myself that when I'm doing that, something's going down. Someone is dumping Cheetos out and stepping on them. They're fighting. I don't know, <laughs> but something is happening. So those that, that's just a little bit. That's just a little bit of of what surprised me in motherhood. And I'd love to like talk about it more because I feel like there's so much, but I just wanted to throw that out there for people, especially like that are entering early motherhood and what you want to, you know, or you're pregnant or you're thinking about having kids or whatever. I just need to like throw them some things out there of like, this happens. And also, by the way, it's magical. It's amazing. Uh, my kids are hilarious and they're funny and they're smart as a whip. And Christmas is oh my gosh, it's like a magic you can't even imagine. There's so much that's amazing and epic and beautiful. But on the other side of that, it's incredibly challenging and difficult. And there's been really hard parts. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to say that. And it doesn't take away from all of the magic and the wonderfulness that is motherhood. It's a full circle thing. Okay. But now that we've we've talked about that, I do, I want to talk about uh, my Drew Barrymore experience. I know this is like, what a random segue into that. There is no segue. We're just jumping in. Um, so I went to New York. If you don't know the story, I do have it on like all my social media. So go check it out. But basically what happened is I saw Drew Barrymore, the beautiful, perfect angel Drew Barrymore. And she had made, uh, she was doing an interview. Um, she was either, it was a podcast or something, but she was doing an interview where she basically said, you know, motherhood was hard. She wasn't seeing people talk about it. And I left a comment on the video because you comment on people's videos. And I just said, we should meet because that's what I do. I talk about, you know, like I said, the real, the real thing. So I just said, we should meet. And I think it was either that day or the next day I got an email and the title or like, you know, it says the person's name said Drew Barrymore and my heart like dropped. I was like, what? Um, and the email just said, I, I saw that you, that we should meet or something. I saw that you said we should meet. And I was like, oh my gosh. But so I clicked the name. You could, if you get an email from someone and it says like their name, you click it and it shows you the email. So I clicked it <laughs> and the email said Drew Barrymore, 1999 at gmail.com. And I was like, mm, chances are low that that is the real Drew Barrymore. So I kind of figured that 99.9% .9 it was a scam. So I responded back something funny, like, oh my, heavily sarcastic, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's the real Drew Barrymore emailing little old me. That's amazing. And I kind of went back and forth. It was Sunday. I was bored. I don't know. I had the time. And so I'm going back and forth with this scammer and I knew they were going to eventually ask for money because that's what they do. And they said, um, it got down to, yeah, we, we can meet. All you have to do is send a 
$250 to my manager. And I was like, wow, that's it. Only $250 to meet the real Drew Barrymore. You know, just very sarcastic and funny. Um, and then uh, they were like, did you send it? Send proof. And I switched the script and I, I was like, okay, we're ending this. And I said, actually, you know, you need to send me $250 to meet and, um, and kind of ended it. And then I thought it'd be funny to make a TikTok about it. And I, you know, screenshotted the emails and I did it in a funny way and I, and I posted it. And all of a sudden people are tagging Drew Barrymore like crazy. And it didn't even get a ton of views. I mean, you know, in my mind, viral is like millions of views. It got like a hundred thousand views. And I remember saying to my husband, I was like, how crazy would it be if she saw the video and like commented? Like that would be so cool. And like a lot of people are tagging her. So I posted on Facebook. Um, and then it was that next day, um, <laughs> a producer, e uh, Facebook messaged me and I was like, is this a scam? I like texted my friends and I was like, is this a scam? They're like, no, I think that's real. You should call that number. I'm like, I am not calling that number. Like I cannot talk on the phone. I have anxiety. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I Googled the name and it did say it was a Drew Barrymore producer. And I was like, but what if that's still a scam artist? <laughs> I called the number. It was legit. Um, and she said, yeah, we, we could maybe, you know, I'd love to hear more about it. And maybe we could, you know, potentially zoom you into the show. And I was like, <laughs> my, I was like, what? So they basically said they were going to set up a zoom interview and it was, you know, essentially an audition, you know, like they, I figured they wanted to find out more about the story and that if that went well, then they would maybe talk about it on the show, show a clip and zoom me in. So I get all dressed up. I have my parents watch the kids and I'm sitting right here in this spot doing the Zoom interview. And at the beginning of the Zoom interview, she said, um, you know, I'm going to get a phone call from my kid's school. So if I disappear for a second, I was like, oh, I get that, you know, go for it. And so we talk for a long time. I want to say like 45 minutes. And she's like, okay, I got to, uh, I got to go. I got to, let me take that phone call. I'll be right back. I'm like, okay. I'm sitting there, I'm texting, the screen pops back up and I look up and my eyes there, I posted a video of this, but my eyes dart back and forth really quickly because I see Drew Barrymore and, um, Ross Matthews and I'm glance at them and my eyes go super wide and she's talking to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, she, and I'm like, they surprised me. They legit surprised me because I always wondered like, how are people actually surprised when they're on TV with zoom? Like they have to know. Nope. No, you don't, because I was not expecting that. And she said, um, you know, she said she was sending me $250. And then she drops the bomb that she's flying me out to New York to come on the show. And I, my jaw drops, I slide out of my chair. And I kept telling myself, like, that's not really going to happen. Like that would, you know, I don't even know, but it did. It happened. Um, she flew me out to New York and it was a solo trip, which I, I've been on three solo trips. I have to add this too. I didn't do any sort of solo trip or anything like that until I was like 30 in my thirties. I say that because I feel like I felt like I was supposed to have done that stuff in my twenties. And then when I was 29 about to turn 30, I was like, I, you know, did I waste my twenties? Cause I didn't like do these things that you're supposed to do. And then no, that's so dumb. It's such a weird line of thinking. I think your twenties is really portrayed as like that time that like, you better go party and do all these things. And it's like, no, you don't have to like, there's so much life 
Like you could start a business when you're 50. You could have your big break when you're like 65. You just don't know. I feel like, um, you know, life is long enough that you can do some really cool shit, but short enough that you should just be grateful for every day you get. You know what I mean? So I I just want to say that because I realized it was going to be my a solo trip where that was actually solo. The two times I've traveled before, it was like for a work thing. So I would get there and I would meet with people I knew. Um, so the, the travel was solo, but the trip wasn't, right? So this was going to be, no, you are solo. You are solo there and you are going to a big city by yourself. And I, yeah, the anxiety was real, but I did it and I get to New York and it's, amazing. And I got there at like 6 PM and I was like, I'm going to walk to Times Square. It was like a 25 minute walk. And I packed up my little bag and I, and I walked and I, it was, maybe I'm romanticizing it because I live nearish Chicago and I have been downtown many times and New York has a special something. It is there. It is magic. And I could be romanticizing it because I don't live there. But there is just this energy you feel just walking down the street. There's people everywhere, the lights, the buildings, I mean, everything. It just was very magical. It just so happened I was there on the first snowfall of the year. There's so much. There's a lot to this story um, where things lined up in a way that was so unbelievable, honestly. But anyway, so I'm walking through the city. Snow is falling. It's it's beautiful. And I'm like, wow, you're do like, I'm navigating this city by myself, which to some people is like, yeah, that's no big deal. But to me, it's a big deal. So I, I navigate the city by myself and, um, you know, I just, I go to Times Square and I went to this Harry Potter store and I Ubered home and there's something just really empowering about doing something like that, like by yourself, I think. And it was, um, it was, it was great. And then I get to the next day I went to the show and she, <laughs> Drew Barrymore and I just like the, the vibes are similar. We have similar energies. I think, I don't know, but we just like melted into each other. Like she pulled me close. We held hands like the entire interview. She is amazing and generous and surprised me with, um, I had, she had sent me $250. She really did. She sent it in gift card and I donated it to this amazing organization called feed my starving children. I'm going to link the website, um, on this podcast details, but I have volunteered with them before and they're so fun. Like the way they're volunteer, you know, you think volunteering sometimes and you're like, eh, that seems boring. They like, they pump loud music and you pack up all these meals and you try, it's like a race to try to see who can pack up the most meals and they distribute them to all these areas and need it, need it most. And it's so fun. And so I donated the money there and I had made a video about it because I have a platform and I want people to know more about it because it's really, it's really cool. And, um, so she found out about that. And so she donated $5,000 in my name to the organization, which is amazing. That's so amazing. <laughs> I think I want to say that I saw, I could be misquoting this, so don't quote me on it, but I thought I saw that if you donated $10,000, it fed, maybe it was one child for the entire year. Maybe it was like multiple. So that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of meals. And that's so cool. Um, and then she gave me a thousand dollars in gift cards to a spa. I was like, what? She's like, as a parent, do you even know about self-care? <laughs> I was like, no. I'm like, but I did say, I did say this. I was like, self-care is not a reward. 
Um, I've really had to come to learn that. I feel like in my head, it was like, well, I saw it as a reward. Like if if your self-care is like, say, doing your makeup and hair and getting ready for the day, it was almost like, no, you can't do that until your dishes are done and you've done these things that need to get done. And and seeing it as a reward instead of like a need that needs to be met. Um, and I've really changed my thinking on that. But keep that in mind. Self-care is not a reward. Okay. So that happened. She is just energetic. I know. Um, I don't know. She does have that special. I don't know if it's like that's what people have, you know, uh, that are famous or in that world. But I don't think so. I think it's just her as a person and what she's gone through and what she has experienced and come out the other side of. And she just has this aura. I don't know this light. I know that sounds like hippy dippy, but she does. She just has that, um, energy around her that is so electric. Um, and it was, it was an amazing experience. It was so fast paced. She is so hardworking. There is so much that goes into that show. She films. It's so fast paced. It's amazing. It was really amazing to kind of see how it all worked. And, um, and it, yeah, it, I was on stage maybe five minutes. I don't even remember what I said, <laughs> but um, it was such a blast. And then I whisked, I walked um, to a little diner and I walked to Central Park just to see it. I saw a rat, which I felt like now I have experienced New York. <laughs> and then I got picked up and went to, and then I came home and I woke up the next day and my kids were screaming and crying and um, demanding me get them snacks. And it was like, wow, kid, man. <laughs> You get humbled so quickly. Um, but it really was, oh my gosh, I wonder if you just heard my stomach. My stomach just growled so loud. Um, but it <laughs> it really was like a magic thing. But it did make me think that I, I did have that moment almost like I was about to turn 30 and it's like, oh my gosh, like what have I done? You know, have I, why haven't I, you know, have I done enough cool stuff? And it's like, that's such a weird way of thinking. And I think that's like a societal expectation of like, you're supposed to be sad when you're 30 or like you're getting older or whatever. And I really, I didn't have, uh, I don't know. I just 30 so far. And again, I'm only one year in, I I'm about to turn by the time you see this, I will be 31. And this has been already like one of the most epic years of my life. And I'm like two months in. So I just, I want people feeling like maybe if you're falling behind in life or, you know, you want to be in a different place because you feel like you're supposed to be, or the people around you are at a different spot that you are really running your own race. And, you know, it's not, you don't get a prize at the end of this all. If you, you know, got married by the time you were 30 or bought your first house by the time you were 35. Like there is no, you don't get a a special prize at the end of your life for doing things by a certain time. So you're going at your own pace and that's okay. And just cheer on everybody around you and know that, you know, you're on your path and that's not a bad thing. Um, so I do want to end this episode with another Ask Emily segment. I ask questions on my Instagram. So if you're not following me there, the link um, will be in this uh, little description of the episode. You can go follow me there because I ask in my stories if anyone has any questions that they want maybe advice on. Remember, I'm an expert in nothing, but I do have Google. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. Maybe something will stick. Maybe something won't. That is okay. Um, And so I'm looking at questions right here. Oh, one question was, what was one thing about motherhood that you felt like nobody talks about? The whole 
beginning part of this episode. Um, a couple of people just said they love the podcast. So thank you for that. Um, I will say, okay, so one question I got was how to let go of the pressure to have it all together all of the time. And this was something that really started all of this. It's the reason I started making normalizing normal videos because I had a lot of my worth tied up in how clean my house was, um, how good of a mom I was and, and all these things as if they all were connected. Um, and I, I, gosh, it's just so, it's so hard to put into words or put into practice, but I really just realized how little it mattered to me because if you're someone that gets true joy and like that is your self-care is like organizing and cleaning your house and decorating. Um, that's amazing. Like, uh, Casey Davis, I'm sure I'm going to keep mentioning her on this show, but she said something that changed my life, which is home decor is a hobby. <gasps> changed my life. It's a hobby and it's not mine. I like Legos. I don't, I don't know if you can see on my desk. I've got like, that's what I like to do. So like having my house decorated in a certain stuff, that's not my thing. I like random weird stuff. Honestly, that's my aesthetic is no aesthetic. It's just not what, something I'm into. Um, I have that thing where I've talked about it before. I need to see something to know it exists. So I have stuff out and about and I have stuff. I have two kids. We have toys. We have, you know, little booster seat. We have things. And so when I realized that um, right now I don't even have the, my brain doesn't work that way. The hours I have in a day, my own, you know, I don't have the ability, resource, time, anything to make my house look like that. And also, do I want my house to look like that? Because I, I don't care. It, I don't care enough to make that, you know, if I have time at the end of the day between doing something like this, recording a podcast, like my house is messy upstairs. There are the kids got out gymnastics mats and they got out all their fun little climbing toys. There's dishes in my sink. I'm not going to do them tonight. I, they, I will do them tomorrow. They'll get done. We have clean dishes to eat off of. I have laundry, but we have plenty of clean clothes to wear. I kind of started seeing it like that. You know, like that means my kids played. They have this awesome safe space where they can play and get out all their toys. And there's not like a room in their house that they're not allowed in. You know, I, this is their home too. It's not, you know, my home that it, you know, <laughs> it's our family home that we exist in and we live in a lot of the time. And so when those toys are on the floor, it means my kids played all day and we're using their imaginations and learning skills like balance and doing fun things. And the dishes in the sink meant I drank a lot of coffee today to survive and we had food in our bellies. It's just when you kind of look at it like that, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Those are that it's a, like a sign of life to me and it's not a bad thing. And everyone always says when they're, you know, one day in your house will be clean and your kids will not be there. <laughs> and you will go, oh, I wish I could see toys on the floor one more time. So, um, that really helps me. And then also, I just really, I'm not sure when it happened. It could be the pandemic. It could be turning 30. I don't know. But it really was kind of that question of like, what is the point of life? Like, why are we here? And what is important to me? And to me, the important thing, you know, I have my own ideas or whatever, but really it's it's love, it's joy, it's relationships. It's, it's wanting to leave the world a better place than when I got here. That's what's important to me. And uh, it, it's just some things I think we put way too much focus on. Um, 
but like the state of my home has no reflection of who I am as a person. If I was walking down the street, you, you couldn't tell me if my house was, if I can't walk down the street and say, your house is clean, your house is messy. I can just tell by looking at you and, um, not to be morbid, but like walk through a graveyard. Can you tell me who was, had a messy house or a clean house? Nope. I bet you will notice the difference, though, between graves that have a ton of beautiful decorations around them and people visiting them and graves that don't. And I can tell you that that uh, it didn't matter like that. They did not get there because they had all their dishes done. They got there because they were kind and had loving relationships. And and so when I thought about it like that and how like, okay, what if I am just messy? That is not the worst thing I could be in this lifetime. There's way worse things I could be, honestly. So that really helped me kind of take a deep breath and go, okay, it is okay. It is okay to let this sit for a minute and go do something fun to fill my cup. It is not a reflection of who I am as a person. It is not something that brings me immense joy. And my house is functional, safe, and we have all the things we need. And when I have all that, it's okay. And it's, it's, it's okay to let go of that pressure. Um, there's more, there's things in, in my life that I want to represent that are, are more than my home. My home is not for other people and I'm very happy with my home and the state of it and the love and, and what it looks like. I'm very happy with it and I'm the one that's got to live here. So once I let go of that, it, the rest was easy. So, but I hope, I hope any of that helped. <laughs> But um, uh, I think we'll end on that note. And thank you for asking questions and for all the love and the downloads and the saves and subscribe, all of the things. You guys have been so awesome. And I can't wait to continue this every week. And it's been really fun. I'm only three episodes in, but it's been really, really fun. So make sure you're following me on Instagram um, so you can ask me questions and make sure to be following me on YouTube so you can see video um, of the podcast. and. I hope you guys have a lovely night. Happy Sunday, and I will see you next week.